0: Hello to those listening to my podcast. My name is Cheryl. I'm a social work student at Griffith University, and I'm here to discuss homelessness, family domestic violence, and the impact this brings on women and children's economic status and well-being. I will also be discussing critical social work practice from the perspective of a feminist practitioner. First, I would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians whose lands, winds, and waters we all now share, and I would like to extend my respect to Elders past, present and emerging, and extend my respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples listening to this podcast. When you turn the radio on, you hear the latest news about the state of the economy, increasing cost of living and the housing crisis, it, its impact on the rental market and the effect it causes on socio disadvantaged groups, particularly single mothers with stories of housing distress and the risk of becoming homeless. The Universal Declaration of Human Rights highlights housing as a basic human right for the standard of living and for the health and well being of society. Homelessness in Australia is defined in three categories. First, those experiencing primary homelessness, meaning unconventional accommodation such as squatting, sleeping rough, and those sleeping in cars. Secondary homelessness are those forced to move from one temporary shelter to another, such as emergency accommodation or couch surfing. The third being tertiary homelessness. These are types of accommodation falling below the minimum standard of housing, such as living in boarding houses, caravan parks, or households that are severely overcrowded. Meanwhile, at the same time, reports of domestic violence have also been making headlines. According to ANROS, on average, one woman a week is murdered by her current or former partner. Domestic violence is the leading cause of homelessness for women, with over 90% of first-time requests for long-term accommodation rejected, and a study of 60% of women post-separation experiencing housing distress. This problem is even worse for women in regional and remote areas due to lack of affordable housing options and living in highly disadvantaged areas. Disproportionately, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander women experience the highest rate of violence and homelessness and are often in unsafe housing. Culturally and linguistically diverse immigrants and refugee women face the additional hurdles of navigating support and services due to communication barriers and cultural values. Some reports of being unaware of their rights and options and lacking access to a bicultural family violence worker. It's also important to take into consideration that estimating the accuracy of homelessness among women may be harder to capture due to the hidden homelessness. The Australian Bureau of Statistics recognizes that women may be reluctant to report due to stigma or personal safety. Domestic violence has been a public health crisis in Australia even before the pandemic began. However, During COVID-19 lockdown, it skyrocketed with DFE agencies, reporting an increase in new women coming forward seeking help for the very first time. The report highlights women trapped in abusive households experiencing severe violence and coercive control. Vulnerable groups included women with school-age children, women from culturally and linguistically diverse backgrounds women with disabilities, along with women from rural and remote communities, particularly Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander women reported as being severely impacted. A report by Davidson and Bradbury on wealth inequality for ACOS highlights a survey by Anglicare stating that of almost 50,000 rentals, only nine were affordable for a single parent on job seeker payment with one child. These are likely to be single mothers who spend most of their income on housing costs. A neoliberal approach to housing as a profit-making investment, combined with the pandemic and the environmental disasters Australia has been facing, has triggered an economic recession. A staggering increase in the housing market, allowing landlords and property investors to impose excessive rental prices, has forced those on low income out of secure affordable housing. For women who are economically dependent on their violent partners, this means continuous subjection to psychological, emotional, and economic abuse, in addition to being prohibited from obtaining employment and controlling all family income by their violent partner. This poses a challenge to practice with the increasing demand of women and children escaping violence urgently while navigating the already overstretched community services. Rose highlights the difficulties of securing long-term accommodation for women. Severe shortage of social housing further exacerbates this problem with application for social housing taking between six months to five years and a welfare conditionality prioritizing those government deemed most vulnerable. For women experiencing domestic violence, this means that choices are limited. Relying on personal networks, if there is even that, staying in overcrowded accommodation, Or the dangerous decision of returning to their violent partners, leaving them and their children in unsafe and insecure environments and facing long-term economic insecurity. Furthermore, there is also the added trauma of children being possibly removed by child protection services if it was deemed the children's safety are at risk. From a neoliberal standpoint, The government's policy to address housing and homelessness is to develop and implement strategies that will see a $10 billion budget fund social housing. This will build 20,000 social housing properties. However, its completion is within five years. The implication and challenges for practice is what to do between now and then, deciding whom to prioritize for housing, particularly if crisis and temporary accommodation lack the resources to accommodate more women and children. Practice informed by critical social work examines violence against women through a feminist lens. It acknowledges men's sense of entitlement and the historical legacy of patriarchal norms on institutions as contributing factors to women's poverty and inequality. At a macro level, This means challenging the dominant power and institutions through engaging in dialogues and developing relationships with key appointed ministers who have the legislative powers. A hypothetical example would examine the current government's commitment to build 20,000 social housing, with its allocation of 4,000 to women fleeing domestic violence and older women at risk of homelessness. Some would argue that this is inadequate with the opposition party claiming that one million affordable housing is needed to solve the housing crisis. In this respect, social workers could write a formal letter or seek a face-to-face engagement, supporting or challenging these claims, highlighting their own accounts of women and children's lived experience on the field. Assumably, dialogues could be with the Minister for Women, Minister for Housing and Homelessness, or Minister for the Prevention of Family Violence. As constituency representatives, their roles include listening to their community, which would give social workers the chance to advocate on the women's behalf and raise awareness to their plight, recommendations would seek to propose building more affordable housing to address the current shortages which will provide mothers with a safe home including referrals to a network of support systems other issues to address include a proposal to increase welfare payments and rent assistance in keeping with the current inflation to ease the cost of living for single mothers according to acos raising the rate of income support to at least 69 dollars a day in addition to increasing rental assistance by 50%, could just about cover basic living costs. This approach hopes to influence policy change, provide feedback, and assist policymakers to reform the system in ways that reduces gender violence and poverty and inequality. Along with influencing policy change, a feminist-based practice also acknowledges the managerialism nature of obtaining emergency accommodation, the waiting times for social housing and the potential impact this brings to women escaping family domestic violence. A feminist approach prioritizes the women and children's safety and seeks ways to minimize risk of harm from perpetrators. Risk management assessment is a process whereby practitioners work with women to evaluate the level of harms she and her children are exposed. Guided by her own judgment and together working on a comprehensive intervention planning, it outlines strategies in the event that a partner becomes dangerously violent. The intervention plan includes creating an escape plan, planning and discussing procedures with children when violence occurs or when to alert the police. This hopes to mitigate risks, particularly for women who choose to stay with an abusive partner while waiting for accommodation to be approved. ANROS highlights that sometimes women will return to violent partners due to housing insecurity. Community engagement and forming alliances is critical social work practice. This means cultivating relationships with specialized homelessness services, family domestic violence agencies, criminal justice, legal professionals, along with non-government organizations and frontline workers. These relationships enable respectful sharing of confidential information to aid a coordinated response in supporting women and children, access shelters, crisis accommodation, social housing, legal assistance and other multiple services safely. Dominelli also highlights critical practice as engaging in consciousness raising activities at all levels of society to build connections with advocacy groups and communities. This provides an opportunity to engage in meaningful conversations at the grassroots level, mobilizing people collectively to participate in activism campaigns and community organizing. An example of this would be the Social Work Action Network, an organization committed to social justice and promotion of anti-oppressive practice to bring about change. Made up of human service practitioners, advocacy groups and supporters of human rights, they organize rallies and education to highlight the impact of managerialism and privatization. Lastly, Ongoing critical self-reflection is a core component of practice. As frontliners to social issues, our values may at times conflict. It is fundamentally important to develop knowledge and skills about culturally safe practice, politics, and social policies, along with how this affects service agencies and users. Furthermore, practitioners must embrace differences, understand intersectionality, and the uniqueness of stories with the view of respect equal relationship and placing the person at the center of decision-making. To conclude my podcast, Critical Social Work from a Feminist Perspective Lens acknowledges that family domestic violence is a key driver of homelessness for women and children. It recognizes the impact of the economy, the housing crisis, and the severe shortage of affordable housing as further exacerbating women's poverty, inequality, safety, and overall well-being. In this respect, Social workers will need to develop their skills, professional knowledge, and practice to challenge neoliberal policies and build respectful relationships with key allies and communities in the hope of influencing change and advancing women's equality. Thank you for listening.